0: Tonight, if we could just take uh, a moment, I'm going, to, I'm going to just have you remain seated. Uh, we're just going to read one verse uh, together, and that is our focus verse for this week. You're going to find it in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and uh, verse number 3. I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to be somewhat teachy tonight. Uh, because there's some ground that I feel like needs to be covered. Our Focus 52 chapter every week um, is so it's so relevant to where we are. It's not like it's just a random, I think that would be a good scripture kind of thing. Uh, the Lord really moves on my mother's heart as she writes some of these devotions and pulls them together and then uh, we publish them every week for you to have them, and if you're not, if you're not taking them, I want you to know that you're missing some things, because uh, this is not—it's not just a tradition for us at FPC. It's brought a spirit of unity and understanding in the Word when we're in the in the book together all week, and then I teach on it in midweek. Ninety-nine percent of the time, I'm going to teach to you out of our Focus 52 chapter, and I pray that. It'll look somewhat different to you on Thursday when you read than it did on, on Wednesday morning when you read or whenever you read the Word. Because I want God to shed light on us. And uh, I'm going to sound probably like gloom and doom when I say this. But I've heard all my life that there could come a day if we face uh, tribulation that we won't have a Bible in our home. You know, I heard that from the time I was a kid. There's people all over that... May not even have a Bible in their home now. And uh, you know what I've thought about so many times? They may be able to take the book from us. But if we have hid the words in our heart that we might not sin against God, they can't take that from us. Whether the Lord doesn't come back for another hundred years, whether I die before he comes or whatever. It's a move point to me. I've got to have his word hidden in my heart. Amen. And so... I would admonish you to just be in the book with us every week. Chapter 3 of 2 Thessalonians and verse number 3. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Let's read it together. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. If you believe that, shout amen. 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 Praise God. So, the church at Thessalonica received two different letters from Paul, as you can see, first and second Thessalonians. They were literally written to the best of our knowledge within a, just a couple of months even, just a very, very short time of each other. Um, the birth of, of this people at uh, the Thessalonian church, you will find uh, most of them were birthed and converted, during Paul's uh, ministry in the book of Acts, the 17th chapter. Where he begins to teach in the synagogue and some, some Jews uh, and a lot of Greek, uh, some Gentiles were converted. And so uh, the issue as you read through uh, Acts, the 17th chapter. Is that you find when truth came to these people at Thessalonica. Uh, I think the modern city now, if I'm not uh, mistaken, they call it Thessaloniki. And uh, uh, these people that were there, as Paul came in to preach and teach the word of God, the scripture said that there were some that received it. And then there were some that would not receive it. And the ones that would not receive the word of God became angry at the mailmen and they became angry at the people who had received it. And this is generally the story with people when you receive conversion, they don't really like your conversion. They kind of like what you used to be a little bit better. They've lost their drinking partner. They've lost their dancing partner. They've lost their partying partner. And so they're not real satisfied with that. And so there was a great, if you go back through the 17th chapter of the book of Acts, you'll read it. And you're going to find that there was quite an uprising that happened so much so that Paul and Silas. It said that in the middle of the night, the brethren decided it was probably best for them to leave in the middle of the night that their lives could be saved. And so Paul left and it was just a short, uh, a short time uh, after this that uh, Paul takes his journey away from there and he begins to receive word that the church at Thessalonica was doing fantastic and that there were some powerful things that were going on there in the church, and so he begins to encourage them in his first letter, writing to them. His first letter in writing to them was telling them to be strong in the faith, and to stay encouraged in the Lord, and to keep themselves ready before the Lord, and he starts talking to them about how their former life, if they're not careful, can have an effect on their future. If they're allowing the old ways of idolatry to affect their minds and their lives. Stay clear of that. Stay away from that. Walk in the new path. Keep on moving in the right direction. And so with this kind of teaching and this kind of power and this kind of faith, surely uh, there is a message that's being birthed out of this that's coming, and we find it in the latter part of the first letter to the Thessalonians as he begins to talk to them about the day of the Lord. He speaks to them about the coming of the Lord. He talks to them about what a terrible day it's going to be for some. If you read the fifth chapter of 1 Thessalonians he said, but of times and seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. And he's telling them be vigilant and keep your heart right. Don't Wander to the left and don't wander to the right, because the Lord is coming for His people. And so, because of this stirring that's going on in the Thessalonian church, uh, from when they left, Paul and Silas left there. Apparently, the uprising and the revival in the Thessalonian church it leads to quite the persecution. And so in just a short time after leaving there, uh, the church, the Thessalonians, they are being persecuted on the right and the left. And uh, they're being troubled and they're being perplexed. And so persecution, and this is why this is so uh, vital to where we are tonight. And I I really feel like God wants to help somebody. I uh, I felt almost a sense of warning today in prayer. That the Lord was going to send a word of warning to somebody tonight to help you be sure that you gird yourself up and be sure that you stay in the race because persecution of the Thessalonians opened the door to false doctrine. And they took the teaching that Paul had given in his first letter to them and his admonishment to them in what he and Silas had taught to them while they were there at Thessalonica and he began... Uh, they began to contort that and twist that around. Paul dealt with them in that first letter and said, Hey, get ready. Jesus is coming. Keep yourself ready because he's going to come like a thief in the night and we could read that whole chapter and go through it. We're going to come back and visit it in a a few minutes. But basically, the whole summation is just stay ready. You you understand what I'm saying? Just stay ready. And it's kind of the way that I teach and preach when I tell you that there's a great part of me that feels like... uh, the coming of the Lord is imminent. His return is imminent. It could be tonight. It could be tomorrow. We could live through some stuff and then the Lord could come. But regardless of what happens, there's nobody that teaches eschatology that is absolutely 100% sure and sound that they know when the Lord is going to come. There's nobody that has ever taught end time prophecy. That can tell you for sure. And put their life on it. I know that he's going to come pre, mid or post. Nobody. And if they tell you any different. They're probably not telling you the truth. Uh, we stand on a few sacred words of Jesus. When he says. I want you to pray that you be counted worthy. Man I hope so. I also read that. In Thessalonians, if you jump in there and re- read that, uh, we, we may touch on a little bit tonight that it seems like there's a season right there that the church may sort of be around that that day may not come till the, till the man of sin is revealed. It's kind of a, a, a little bit of a gray area that you deal with in your mind. You lay down and say, well, Lord, could it, could it be tomorrow or could it be today or could it be whatever? And the way I look at that is this right here. I've got to stay ready. Whether he comes tonight or if I die before he comes, either way I've got to be ready. And so this group moved in and I, and I'm, I, I want to get to where uh, we're at in this chapter in 2 Thessalonians. The reason for the second letter very quickly is that this persecution led to faint hearts. And faint hearts led to open spirits. Open spirits led to false teaching that caused them to be disillusioned and caused them to be led astray in some false doctrines. And if you study historically, you're going to find that one of the major false doctrines that prompted the writing of 2 Thessalonians was there was a doctrine that was floating around in that region of Macedonia that the coming of the Lord had already happened. It's what now, uh, what we refer to looking back at 70 AD. There's a lot of people that believe 70 AD, the coming of the Lord happened all that when Jerusalem was destroyed. We call that like preterism. It's doctrines that give us nothing to look forward to in the rapture and the coming of the Lord. It's it's already happened. It's already done. So, go ahead and just live your life. Because you've already missed the coming of the Lord. And this is the worst that's going to happen to you right here. Now, folks, I wish I could comfort you with my words and tell you tonight that this is hell. Welcome to hell. This is it. This is as bad as it's going to get. Well, you think this is bad. You've got to understand that it is still a real eternal fact. It's a place where the worm dieth not. It's a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a place that in the parable of, uh, of the beggar and the rich man that... He began to cry out, Jesus said, from hell. He lifted up his eyes and he said, Please send somebody here to touch their finger in water and and, and touch my tongue with it. What was his words? He said, For I am tormented. And so while we're praying for our lost loved ones to get the revelation of the torment of hell, I think maybe we've missed the mark because... I firmly believe we can see according to 2 Thessalonians that the danger in in this kind of teaching is that if the church doesn't have a revelation of eternity, it's not going to do the world any good to get it. Charlie Peace was a a felon that was getting ready to go to his, uh, what do they call it when they, capital punishment. That's the nicest way I can say it. And he made a statement to the priest when he came in and asked him if he had any last words. He said, yes, I do. He said, if I believed what you say you believed, I would crawl on my hands and knees if need be in glass all the way across this continent to save one soul. This was a lost man that was headed to his demise on death row that looked at a preacher who was... Stand there twiddling his thumb saying, okay, what's the last thing you want to say? And he was challenging the voice of the church, if you would, saying to that preacher, if you really believe what you say you believe, you'd be asking me something else right now than what's your last words. We've got to understand that heaven is real and hell is real and eternity is real and you've got to be ready regardless of what anybody else teaches, regardless of what anybody else tries to convince you, get ready and stay ready. Somebody shout hallelujah if you want to be ready. So he writes them the first letter, then persecution opens the door. And there's now deception running rampant through the church. And it's very, very convicting. It's a perfidy what has taken place in the body. Because as you pick up on this chapter, uh, I, I want to show you even uh, in uh, the third chapter where we read tonight. And verse number eleven, Second 2 Thessalonians 3 and 11. This is funny. Because you hear this portion of scripture, especially the preceding verse. Matter of fact, just go ahead and throw it up there. We'll talk about it. Uh, He said, for when we were with you, this we command you, that if you would not work, neither should you eat. So verse 11, he says to them, he said, I've heard between my first letter and this one. I've heard that there's some among you that are disorderly and you're not working at all. But you're busybodies. And I was like, I don't. I don't understand, Paul. It's kind of out of context until you understand what happened. These people were so deceived by thinking that the coming of the Lord had already happened or that it was so close to happening that they had actually quit their jobs. They had stopped working. And they said, well, what's going to be is going to be. We've had truth come to us now. You know, that's the danger with new revelation right there. New revelation always leads to things that feel weird. I've said all my life that I'm living like Jesus could come today. But I'm planning like he ain't going to come for 100 years. And Paul was frustrated with this. He said, some of you sorry men have quit working. And you're sitting at home in front of your television because you think Jesus is coming. And while that sounds crazy to us, it's happening in the United States. My wife and I went for my birthday back in in June. Our birthdays are two days apart, plus five years. And we went to eat at a restaurant. And this sweet little girl came up to us, was waiting on us and she was talking to us, she'd pull down, talk to us for a second, put it back up. And so we're, we're just cutting up with her and talking to her about her mask. And, and she goes, man, they're wearing me out in here. I said, oh, really? She said, oh, my gosh, they're killing me. I said, you guys have been that busy? She said, well, it's been steady. But uh, she said, there's nobody else. No, nobody else will come back to work. She said, they're giving me all the hours that I want, and I'm, I'm pulling a double today. I said, what do you mean? She said, all of our servers that work here are staying home because they're making more money sitting at home than they're making working. And and she said, I can't do that. I said, well, good for you. And I left her a great big huge tip. Now, I know it's for perhaps a completely different reason, okay? So so don't misunderstand me. But there are always going to be powers that are going to, in some way or another, try to convince us that the best thing we could do is rely on somebody else to take care of us. And the danger in that is that it bleeds over into your salvation. Because if the government can make a living for you, then your preacher can be saved for you. Nobody wants to help me on that right there now. I'm just going to let the pastor pray for me and take care of my prayer time. I'm just going to let my husband pray. I'm going to let my wife pray and be sure they take care of it. Listen to what I'm telling you right now. You've got to work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling. Paul said, you guys have got so jacked up over here. He said, I can tell you've been around false doctrine by the way you're living your life. Well, now, boy, that speaks volumes. Y'all are messed up. You've quit your jobs because you think the Lord is coming or He's already come, or however you would like to look at that. He said, There's something, there's something that's that's crazy. He said, Because now that you're not busy, you're a busybody. Did y'all read that? He said, now that you're not working, you're a busybody. And he said, now you're going around and doing damage in the kingdom, telling everybody that what you believe is the truth. And you're doing damage to the kingdom of God. Have you ever noticed that people who believe false doctrine don't ever want to believe it by themselves? Never want a soul while they were in truth. Bust off in false doctrine and they got revelation. They want to tell everybody about it. He said now, them which, which are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat and eat. Their own bread. Now, this is not going to be popular right here, folks. But I'm just going to break it down to you. It's very relevant to the time we're in right now. There is no such thing as a free lunch. Everybody was backflipping over all the money that the government began to hand out at the beginning of this pandemic. Guess what? People aren't happy right now because they're having to start paying it back. Somebody that's sitting at home eating free bread tonight, it may be free to them, but somebody paid for it. Y'all can be seated. The apostle said, you need to eat your own bread. You need to be quiet. And he said in verse 13, he said to the brethren, don't you get weary in well-doing. If you're doing the right thing, don't you let busybodies make you weary. You stay in the race. You keep on fighting the good fight. And he said, "If now, this is not pastor, okay? I'm, I'm, just, I, I'm reading to you out of the book. Y'all going to stay with me? I'm not sure you're ready for it. You got your seatbelt on? 14. And If they don't obey our word, I, I can't see real well. Maybe my, Here, they, they're getting better now. If they won't obey what we've told you by this letter. Folks, this is not church rhetoric and legalism. He said there's something wrong with people that have known this truth. And now they don't want to walk in truth. This is not popular preaching, so I don't plan on this being on the top ten charts, okay? But there's a reason with Paul's motive that we need to take note of. He said if they don't want to walk according to this word right here, then don't have company with him. Am I preaching truth, Bishop? I'm not not trying to hurt nobody tonight, but I'm telling you that we we have a situation That we're going to have to be careful for. There's somewhere in here a line of mercy and and, and understanding and still reaching people. And then being absolute in who you are. What you believe. What you stand for. And letting people know, I love you. But if you want to find me, you're going to find me right where I've always stood. I'm not going to come pursuing after you. Listen. I'm not... I'm not sure we quite get the message of the prodigal. His father never went after him. And there is a reason for that. Because you can't come to somebody's self for them. If you don't leave that boy alone, he's not going to come to himself. He's going to come in agreement with you. Maybe. But you can't convince somebody. I, I, I posted this uh, a year ago and I reshared it this week on Facebook. I was reading in Acts where Agrippa said, Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And in the post, I said that no man can be convinced as long as he's comfortable in his unbelief. And when somebody is in a mess, and they're convinced that they're right, you're not going to change their mind by sitting down with them, coddling them, and saying, let me come over and keep company with you and talk to you about this. I know nobody wants to believe this, but let me give you a word principle that always works. If you play in the mud long enough, you're going to get dirty. On her dying bed, I I sat by Sister Juanita Jordan. And she was putting it on me several years ago. We were just really talking the word, and Sister Juanita looked at me. She said, Pastor, she said, don't ever forget that if you're playing around in the mud and you got a pretty white glove on, she started talk, you know, doing her little hands. She said, you got beautiful white gloves. She said, if you drop that glove in the mud, she said, Pastor, the mud don't get glovey. Come on, let me preach to you simple right here. I'm talking about old time face. She said, Pastor, the mud don't get glovey. The glove gets muddy. Is that too simple for us tonight? You, you know what happens when you play around with people who have compromised? It's not, it's not going to be long till they're going to say something to you that you're going to say, you know, that makes a lot of sense. I'd rather sit down with somebody that has never known this truth than to sit down with somebody that's justified in their own mind and try to convince them that truth is truth. <laughs> See, so I think sometimes i got to spit it to the fifth row to really challenge you. I want y'all to, th- I want y'all to think about that. I can't tell you how many days i just been sitting around for no reason at all, and I can just hear Sister Juanita. Now, Pastor, that mud, that mud don't get glovey. That's a simple kind of teaching and preaching that will absolutely save your soul. I don't care if somebody comes to me and says, bro, I was in prayer the other day. That I, I'm talking about somebody that I trust. If they come to me and say, I was in prayer the other day, and God revealed something to me that baptism is not necessary anymore. Oh, I, man, I'm sorry to hear that. But this lunch is over. Well, oh, Pastor, that's awful mean. It's not mean, it's also biblical. Is, is it there, Dr. Link? Did, did I miss something in the Greek over here? Is it, it's in the book. He said, he said, don't, 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 keep, don't keep company with people like that. And he said, here's the reason. Watch this now. Verse 14, watch this. That he may be ashamed. What's that mean? Leave him to himself. Let him think about this. Because if there's going to be a pivotal moment, it is going to come by his own understanding. I don't feel what I used to feel. It don't don't seem like it used to seem, and something has got to happen. Listen, he is not your enemy, verse 15. He said, do not count him as your enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Don't don't treat him like he's a leper, but give him admonishment. Tell him, you know better than that. That is contrary to the scripture. And I'm not meeting you on that playing field. Pastor, that wrecks my mind. I don't know how to deal with that. I don't know what to do with that. The the very next verse is just for you then. It's almost like Paul knew what we were going to face. It's almost like this has been going on for a long time. He said, now the Lord of peace himself... Give you peace always and by all means and the Lord be with you. What's that mean? That means when you're struggling with this and saying, Lord, I don't know why anybody would walk away from this and I'm, I'm not at peace about this. I don't know what to do. He said, let the Lord give you peace. I love that. He said, you brethren, don't you get weary in your well-doing. Don't open up your ear. Somebody shout it to me tonight when I tell you, if you give the devil an inch, man, y'all are good preachers. If you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. Don't get weary. Make your decision. Stand on the word and let God give you peace about it. I don't think standards are necessary. I don't think holiness is necessary. I don't think blah, 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 blah. That's what I hear when people start talking. I, I don't think that's necessary. I don't think you have to do that to be saved. And so at that point right there, I, 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 I kind of have to shut it off. So what you're telling me is if it's not a heaven or hell issue, then you're not going to do it. It has nothing to do with you just loving him. Can I tell you folks tonight and just be as honest and open and transparent and sincere as I could be with you and tell you that some of the things that I do and don't do in my life as your pastor have absolutely nothing to do with whether or not they'll send me to hell. I do it because I'm in love with him. And it's a principle. Listen, if it wasn't something that he felt was necessary for us, then why does he convict people about it? Am I making any sense? Well, it's not a black and white thing in the scripture. I was talking to a precious man in this church the other day, and we were talking about a specific thing in the body that it's not, Black and white in the scripture. It is not verse by verse and chapter by chapter. But it's something that we have held on to for a long time. And he said when he came to the Lord, he was wrestling with that issue. And he said, I looked in the mirror one day and it just clicked with me. And God dealt with him to do that. And from that moment, it was like. Life with God was completely different. It was a whole different level of revelation. It was something that God felt was necessary for his life in order to lead him into a deeper place. And I'm saying to you tonight that just because somebody tells you it's not necessary for you, if God spoke that to you and he convicted you about that, don't you let anybody else take away your conviction. I had, a, had an individual tell me one time they noticed some folks in our church were doing a certain thing that they didn't do. I said, that doesn't give you a right to do it. Don't let other people influence you. Listen, I know that some folks would rather go to church once a month, and that's all right. Let them figure that out on their own. I am convicted that if I'm not here when the doors are open, that I'm forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. He said, so when you make your stand, I'm praying that God will give you peace about it. You can rest and be willing to pray. And I I taught about this a few weeks ago. But I believe God is bringing some people in this 24-hour prayer chain to a place of desperation where we're finally getting willing and bold enough to pray God whatever it takes. I don't think we're really ready for God to come back. I don't think we're really ready for him to move on people and have end time harvest until we're willing to pray God whatever it takes. I've heard my dad preach all across this country about his dad being a strong man. Working at Anaconda here in town. Unloading big spools of cable. Big strong back. Strong, strong man. He got smoked down with multiple sclerosis and while. He was down. God dealt with him. They moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma so that my great-grandfather could take care of him. And while he was there, my grandfather, who passed away before I ever got to meet him, my dad was 15 years old, but my my grandfather, St. Clair, when he passed away with multiple sclerosis, he was baptized in Jesus' name, and he was filled with the Holy Ghost. And my dad used to preach it all the time. He'd say, you know what? Maybe... We're not willing to pray God whatever it takes because if my father would have been fully healthy and everything would have been in order in his life, maybe he wouldn't have seen a need for God. But listen, when we get to the place that we've got peace in our mind that what we believe is truth and we're not vacillating on that, we're not walking away from that, it's truth. We're not going to argue about it, we're not going to debate about it, it's truth. This book is right and whatever it takes, I want my family not to be converted to Pentecostalism. I want them to be converted to truth. Well, you're just old-fashioned. You need to realize that what your great-grandfather believed and your grandfather believed, it's not necessary. This is a different day and age. It is not my fence to be moving. This is not my kingdom. This is not my church, and I've got peace with that. If you believe it, shout amen. amen. Somebody told me from the business world one time, they said, you know, bro, there's a lot of pressure on you. I said, why is that? They said, because it's usually the third generation in a family that destroys the family business. You're the third generation pastor. I said, look, man, no pressure. No pressure at all. Because there's no new revelation. If people accept it, they accept it. If they reject it, come on, somebody preach at me. They reject it. What good is laying around worrying about it all night going to do about it? Can I say this and not sound insensitive or rude or crude at all tonight? Here's the bottom line about the end time church. If somebody wants to be saved, they're going to be saved. If they want to be lost, they're going to be lost. My, my, my. So the fear of this present age that we're in right now, I feel upon me right now necessary to preach to you like Paul wrote in his second letter to them. We're in a time right now that early on in this sickness, this virus There were some men that were bold enough to come out and start teaching some end time stuff that they said that we were in the beginning of the 70 weeks. And I struggled with that because we're at a place right now where if that were true then the Antichrist should have been revealed in my opinion with the timeline that these particular teachings were given that the man of sin should have Already been revealed and all that. And I'm not going to jump off into eschatology tonight. I want to get a principle to you. It seems like whenever persecution and trouble are on us. Please listen very, very closely to the pastor right now. Don't let me lose you and don't get distracted on this. Because this is the crux of what I want to get to you tonight. Just as the church, the Thessalonians were dealing with when persecution came. They started leaning on the coming of the Lord as their exit strategy from trouble. And whenever persecution comes against the body, usually there are people that want to get it right because they think the coming of the Lord is being marked by the the trouble. You understand what I'm saying? So during the first couple weeks of this goofy sickness in the earth, people were calling and emailing us and Sending us messages and saying, as soon as the door's open, I'm coming to the Lord. As soon as the door's open, I'm coming back. Well, guess what? And, and don't think I'm making fun right now. Please, please, please. But the spirit of the age has ways of making things feel normal. A few weeks ago, there were people I talked to who said, oh, forget it, I ain't wearing a mask. Well, if you want to go get pizza, you will. Now, now they are. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, people are so emphatic. About, I, I, mean, I ain't gonna wear no mask. And you, well, you've been wearing them to get groceries. So, so my point is, what you said a few weeks ago—it's—it's it's not gonna happen. Well, now it's—it's it's become normal. I stand in uh, this evening at dinner, waiting on some to-go food for my family, and. I'm standing there, and the the girl comes up, and she's like, what do you want to drink with me? And I'm like, huh? She's like, what am you want to drink with your meal? I'm like, I don't know. It's okay. And finally she got frustrated. She said, I've got to do it anyway. And she just walks over and starts making drinks for my family because apparently the the meal my girls ordered had drinks with it. She was trying to ask me, "What what do you want to drink? And I was like, I don't know. And she, she, go, she goes, it's okay. I have to do it anyway. And she just makes drinks. And then brings them over and sets them in front of me. And so I'm, I'm standing there, and somebody walked in, so my, my face kind of shifted, and I turned to look at him. like I was going to smile and nod at him, and I'm like, eh. They have no clue that you're smiling at them right now. You know what I'm saying? And so my glasses are all fogged up, and I'm standing there, and this guy walks in. He pulls his mask off, and the manager behind the desk goes, Sir, 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 sir. You did put that on right now. I was like, oh, my Lord. Somebody's about to go Bruce Lee in this house, and it ain't going to be pretty. And... and and I'm, please, please, please don't, don't think I'm making fun. Understand that. I'm saying it's amazing how things, it doesn't take long to catch in culture. I, I mean, the, the two guys that were talking about this were from me to the camera stand. They were that far apart from each other. I'm like, dude, nobody's sneezing on you. Like, you're good. It's not going to happen. The point is, somebody said, do it, and it was there. It just, now it's the normal. And so, the people that were fearful about the coming of the Lord just a couple of months ago. Am I making any sense right now? Now they've got ways that they feel like this is a little bit more normal. And, and the closer we get to a vaccine shot, I'm hearing people say, Ooh, man, I can't wait because then it's all going to be over. So the, the, the thing that was the catalyst to make you fear the coming of the Lord, now you're looking for the exit st- strategy out of the trouble. Am I making any sense? I believe more than likely that just like AIDS and, and other viruses in the earth, we're probably going to see this one go away eventually. I mean, man, we've had it crazy. Ebola, H1N1, swine flu, bird flu, it's happened. Millions and millions of people have died. I mean, it doesn't make one any worse or less than the other. The, the principle is very simply this. Trouble comes, people get moved. So much so that they quit their jobs and say, Oh, the Lord's coming. Right? Did y'all I mean y'all saw that with me tonight? Oh, the Lord's coming. We better just stop. Let's go, let's go rack up a bunch of debt. Let's go get a credit card, max it out, let's buy a bigger house that we can't afford. Because Jesus is coming. If he comes, he'll just deliver us out of all this debt. Better be careful. Because what what are you gonna what are you gonna do? If this virus disappears, and in Jesus' name it will, what are you going to do when this virus disappears and the next pandemic or whatever it is that comes along, it don't move you like this one did to repentance, but you missed the window. I mean, what else is it going to take for God to get a hold of people's attention? So my, my point is this. I feel like if you read Thessalonians, he says, that before this son of man is going to be revealed, there has to be a great falling away. Have y'all been reading this book this week? You know exactly what I'm talking about. He said before that man of sins revealed, there's got to be a great falling away. How do you think that's going to happen? It's going to happen when people get desensitized to things. And they say, well, I remember when COVID-19 hit, man. There was a rush at the door. You know what the Lord's looking for? He's not looking for people that are just looking for a shelter from a virus. He's looking for people that will fall in love with him and live for him if the virus stays or if the virus goes. I don't love him because he's my deliverer. I don't love him because he's more powerful than sickness. I love him because he first loved me. I love him because while I was yet a sinner, he died for me. It really doesn't matter. And I mean this sincerely. It does not matter to me if the Lord does or does not deliver us from COVID before his coming. I want to be ready at the coming of the Lord. I'm hurrying tonight to get to my clothes. So what is the answer? Well, I'm going to tell you how my life works. I'm going to tell on, on, on your pastor just a little bit. Sometimes when I come to the Lord in prayer and I say to him, Lord, I need a fresh word. What I'm really saying is I don't like the last one. So I want a fresh one. People are saying, oh, I've put a fleece before the Lord. I feel a new assignment coming on. It's probably just because you don't like the assignment that you're on. And so you ask God for a fresh word because the old word rubs against your grain. And so you keep searching until you find somebody that will speak life into your tragedy that you're about to create. Isn't it funny how people can find somebody to agree with them? If you don't think that's true, how in the world do you think there's a whole movement of people who believe in flat earth and aliens? <laughs> it's like, you can always find somebody to agree with you. But the truth is that at the beginning of that, when you asked the Lord for a fresh word, you knew the last thing he spoke to you was Right? Am I I making any sense at all? We'll come to Revival. We're like, oh, God, please. Man, let a prophet come in and give me a word. Let the evangelist speak directly to me. And the Spirit is saying, I talked to you the last Revival. I, I mean, oh, boy. I'm telling you, it's tight as a drum in here right now. Lord, please, 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 please let him prophesy to me and tell me that I got a big financial blessing coming. The Holy Ghost is saying, you had not paid your tithe yet. Yeah. But you can go find you a TV preacher that will say, I see prosperity all over. I don't see prosperity all over you. Because I've already read the book. If you're faithful over a few things. I'm glad that ain't my teaching. And so when I come to God and I'm seeking for fresh revelation, a fresh word, it's more than likely because I didn't want to line up with the last thing he spoke to me. And it's not until I come in alignment with that word that then the rest of God's plan can begin to unfold in my life. And sometimes that means, depending on how far I've taken this second option out here, That's how far I've got to come back to get on course and how much crow feather i got hanging out of my mouth when I put my life on it and said, nope, that's not God's will for me. This is God's will for me. It's like Brother Jordan said tonight, we keep asking God to bless us instead of finding out what is it that He's blessing and then line ourselves up with what He's blessing. I, I was pleading with the Lord this week. I said, God, please don't just bless me because... I'm standing right there in that corner. I said, God, I am pleading with you. If I'm out of alignment with you, don't bless me. I want you to open my eyes and let me see right now that the reason my back's against the wall and I'm not being blessed is because I've missed you. Anybody here feel like you're willing to pray that every day? You talk about a strong church. And so... Today, I was just thumbing through Thessalonians, and I was going back and forth. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm quickly coming to a close. I'm not going to keep you forever tonight. And I was like, Lord, how these people get so distracted so quickly? So the first letter is written about 51, and the, the second letter is written between 51 and 52. So you're talking about for sure less than a year. That he shoots off a second letter really quick. I'm like, why? What is it that he's calling to their remembrance so strong? And the Lord said, Go back. This is what He said to me on office day. He said, Go back and look at Paul's last admonishment to them in the first letter. He said, All right, Lord. This is what He said. He said, Now, in uh, verse 14 of 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 14. Now, we exhort you, brethren, warm them that are unruly, comfort the feeble minded. Support the weak and be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What This gets deeper. Quench not the spirit. despise not prophesying listen to this he preached to him now he said prove all things and hold fast to that which is good these I don't believe that these are two separate commands I believe there's a reason why this is in one verse he says prove it all and hold the good part if you're proving it don't hold on to everything if you prove it by the Spirit This is of God and that's not of God. Then get rid of that and hold fast to the good. Am I I making sense? Prove it. And if it's God, keep it. If it's not God, get away from it. Pastor, I'd really like to know a little better if that's what he meant. Okay, good. He answers in the very next verse. Abstain from all appearance of evil. If it looks like you can't prove it as good, walk away from it if it's doctrine that is contrary to what we have taught to you, abstain from the appearance of evil. Now, here it comes. Again, this is not apostolic rhetoric. This is not just Pentecostal preaching. The very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Not H-O-L-Y. Completely. w h o l l y. Let him sanctify you entirely. And here it comes. You can see the same language. And I pray to God. Here it comes. It matters. That your soul, your spirit, and your body. All of it. Every part of who you are, the inside man, the outside man, the spiritual man, who you are, your heart, your soul, your mind, your spirit, this right here, this very verse right here comes all the way back to Deuteronomy 6. Am I helping anybody? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. Somebody shout it to me. He's one. Go ahead, verse 5. What's it say? So he said, I pray to God that your whole spirit, your soul, and your body, everything that encapsulates mankind, I pray that it be preserved blameless. Well, you know, preacher, God looks on the heart, and that's what matters. Then why didn't Paul just say, I pray that your heart and soul be preserved blameless? He said, preserve your inner man and your outer man blameless until the coming of the Lord. In other words, it matters where you go. It matters what you do. It matters what you wear. It matters what you look like. It matters what people think about you. It matters. He said, I want you to be preserved, and this is the relevance of where we're at tonight, blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if the enemy can get you convinced that the greatest days that are before us are behind us and that he's already come, then you've got nothing to lose. Everything that you're preserving, waiting for the coming of the Lord, if he's already come, it don't matter. Am I making sense? So 2 Thessalonians is saying, get your head all right. He has not come yet. You still got to be preserved. Go back to what I told you before. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Get your heart, your mind, your soul, your spirit, your body. Get it right with God. Get lined up with God. FPC, I can't preach it to you tonight any better than Paul said it. Let's go back to the words and the admonishment of the apostle. Until the day that he comes, keep yourself ready to meet the Lord. And immediately, he sends another letter to them. Chapter 1 of 2 Thessalonians, and I close. Verse 7 of chapter 1. He said to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus, somebody say shall be. He opens up this letter by saying to them, he shall be, but he hasn't yet. So here comes another admonishment to you in another letter. He hasn't come back yet. You've got to stay ready. I'm saying to you tonight that if this crazy world we're living in right now keeps on moving at the pace that it's, it's moving, we all ought to be crying, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But until the day that he comes, man, I hope I'm helping somebody tonight. Until the day that he comes back, you've got to keep yourself ready. Distractions are coming false doctrines are coming. The winds of false doctrine are blowing every day. He said just stay in the Spirit. Just keep on working in the Spirit. Get your body, your spirit, your soul. Get it all in alignment with God and when He returns, you're going to be at rest with us. Don't be troubled. You're going to rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels. I can tell you on this Wednesday night, I don't know the day or the hour. I believe He's coming like a thief in the night, but this is What I do know tonight, I know that on that day when the Lord shall be revealed, he shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. I plan on being ready to meet him. I'm not going to fall off the wagon because my flesh got carnal. Let's stand together tonight. Sanctify you. Holy, holy, holy. Spirit, body, soul. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in His holy mountain? He that hath clean hands, pure heart. Inside, outside, be preserved blameless. Father, thank You for Your Word tonight. Thank You for Your precious church. Thank You for the body of Christ. Thank You, God. This blood-drenched Word of God, it will save us. It will keep us. It will protect us. It will lead us in times of trouble and persecution, Father, may we keep the loins of our minds girded up and seek after the ways of God and the will of God, not being perplexed and troubled by every wind of false doctrine that blows. Let us establish ourselves in your word and stand for the truth of God. And for this, we thank you in Jesus' name that we are part of the blood-bought church and let the church say amen.